Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning back in. My name is Chance, and I am your host, A Chance to Strive. All right, so basically today we have a guest. Like I told you guys, um, this year it was going to be a year where I try to bring a lot of different perspectives. I know y'all, you know, y'all fuck with me, but I think the more perspective we can get, it's going to only help you guys because there are certain people that are going to be are going to be able to relate to certain individuals a lot more than I do. That's why I just try to be very broad and basic. But now you'll have somebody coming in where you actually are able to inquire a lot more than just how chance thinks. So I will start it off by handing it off to you and you can give your whole little intro, your social media, as well as like, what is it that you do? What are you currently working on? And then we'll go from there. Hi, my name is Yasleen. My Instagram handle is exquisite underscore Yaz. It's who us is. So for my social media platform, I would consider it like a blogging. Um, I mainly like support small businesses. I used to have a small business, still working on it. So currently, the small business that I was working on, it was during COVID. Um, I So... When it comes to your journey with mental health, like just being able to maintain your mental when you're dealing with things and trying to learn certain ways to have to process that, what has that looked like? What are some things you've learned along the way that's made it a little bit easier for you to kind of make sure you're in a good mental space? So like you said, so a lot of people are diagnosed with like depression or like feeling in that stage where like they're feeling down. So... You mentioned, like, what do I do to, like, get out that feeling? Yeah. Um, I still feel, like, you know, a little under the weather sometimes. Like, sometimes I really just got to get myself out of bed. Like, I feel like it's a choice to be, like, in a sad mood. Like, our feelings are, like, to be talked about. But, like, I would get out of bed. I would force myself to get out of bed. Or, like, you know, we'll procrastinate and stay on our phone. But then it's always you versus you. So your mom is not going to help you. Like, she could. But it's you that is going to move mountains, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to take yourself to where you want to take yourself. Like, I know, like, me being stuck in a closed space and being stuck in a bubble, then that's just going to continue for me to be stuck in that bubble. I just feel like if I get up and I do things instead of staying closed out, then, like, I'll progress more. But I know it's hard at times, so, like, I get it. Uh, I think for me, I think I'll definitely have to agree with the idea where it's, like, at times you really just got to get yourself out of bed when you're in a depressive state or you're just not in the—you're not just—you're not feeling the best. It's so easy to get caught up in just staying in bed. You don't want to get up, and then all of a sudden your whole entire day passes you by, and you're like— damn. And now you just added another thing for you to get stressed over. So I think it's like, we can't even just focus on that part. What are some things you do to kind of win that battle of getting out of bed and actually starting your day? Like what's, cause a lot of the times I'll be honest, I got to have a little self-talk with myself. I got to tell and remind myself of the things that I'm trying to do. And if, even if it is one day, the moment you do something, it's so easy to create a pattern from it. So I try to be very cautious about just having days where I just say F it and I'm just not going to focus on anything at all. So how do you kind of like, what's your process when everything in your body's telling you, no, stay in bed, let's be lazy, let's not do nothing, let's just stay in this state. How do you kind of like counteract that? 
So there's always the self-talk, like give ourselves the self-talk. I feel like, I don't know if other people are like this, but sometimes I like to plan out my day. It could be five minutes ahead, 10 minutes like ahead, a day prior. Make a list, see if it works out. Make another list, see if it doesn't work out, you know? I just feel like it's also planned in your head. I know like, and one thing about like that self-talk is sometimes you get lost in your thoughts. Yeah. So like you start to overthink. And I just feel like it's like a I don't know what that specific word is, but it's just like a go like a lighter freight type of feeling. Like you need to get up like now. The time is now. If not, then one. Same thing you said. Be no local. So what does that self talk actually look like? What are the things you're telling yourself to get yourself out of bed? Like, with, like, if you're literally giving us a 30-second preview to what happens in your head or the things that you'll say out loud. For me, I say things out loud just because, like you said, sometimes it is a little harder to be able to focus on the things that you're saying or to randomly just get in your head and start to overthink. I feel like I'm a lot more, I'm in a lot more control when I'm saying things out loud because then I don't have to focus on my thoughts directly. I'm focused on just exactly what I need to get out. And I feel like it's so, it's a lot easier to catch yourself rambling out loud than it is when you're happy, it's happening in your head because it's like in your head, you can have two, three voices going on at the exact same time. But if you're saying something out loud, there's only one sentence that can come out at a time. So it's a little bit easier to control exactly what you're putting out in the air instead of just, oh my God, I can't control my thoughts. Because I have many moments like that. No matter how much control I feel like I do have, if I start thinking, sometimes my thoughts are going to start going all over the place. And I don't like that. And I've even said this in some of my previous podcasts is one of the reasons why it feels like it's so easy for me to kind of just articulate my feelings and my emotions. It's literally just because I used to, like as a kid, whenever I was going through something or something was very hard, I just used to lay in bed and then look at the ceiling. And then pretty much the ceiling was kind of like my therapist. Where it's like, once I'm looking at that ceiling, I'm just talking out loud. Because if I didn't, I would ramble on and on and on. And me thinking in my head, that would that would just literally be no conclusion to it. So it was a lot easier for me to say things out loud and then find a way to actually deal with it. So that also made it a little easier. But for you... What's that self-talk looking like? Just give us like 15, 20 seconds. You don't got to keep it too long. Go. Like being active or like just like describe. <laughs> okay, like you don't got to act it as if you're actually doing certain things. But <laughs> literally it's um, like, what are some of the things you're telling yourself? What are some of the reminders? Like why are you telling yourself? Like, okay. I know those moments you're telling yourself what's important, the things that you need to remember. So what does that look like? You can act it out okay. or just give us a gist of what you normally do. I'll, I'll get an example. Um, so I progressed in a way. From talking to myself, I remember like I used to talk like out loud to myself and I would just like point out all the negative things. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned like what you manifest and like what you put out there because your tongue is a very powerful like tool. Um, I changed like being negative to being positive. So like I would self-reflect, like I would also forgive myself in certain places like, oh, I used to do this. Like, let's change that about ourselves. Like... It happens, like, we're human, like, we're supposed to feel, supposed to have feelings, we act in our feelings, um, and we can grow from that, like, that's, like, some type of talks I'll have with myself, so, like, one thing about those talks is, like, I point it more in a positive way, um, 
I lay things out, like I give situ- situations for ourselves. Like we all, we all do it. We plan out situations ahead of time, see how we're going to handle it. And if we never handle it the right way we were supposed to like, I'll remove myself. I'll reflect. I'll be like, all right, okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Like we could do better. Or like it's a few hours ahead from now. We could still do it. Like talks like that. I have towards myself. I fuck with it. Um, just because you said this, like your tongue is a very powerful tool and the things you do put out there, it is manifested. Um, I think we also kind of like briefly had a kind of conversation about this. It's like your subconscious is a very powerful thing and it's, it's kind of good and it's also bad at the same time. Cause sometimes you'll randomly say something and you don't think nothing of it, but you're not always in control of your initial reactions or your initial thoughts. That just kind of happens and then you kind of pick up from wherever that initial reaction goes. And one thing that I've used recently with my mentors is like, you know, like the whole idea of positive talk, like positive um, reinforcements, being able to talk to yourself in a positive manner. For me, what I've realized is, well, one thing that he told me, which I found to be very crucial, and sometimes I even mess up and he'll be like, what did I hear? What did I hear? So his thing is, it's like, you never tell yourself that you're not good at something or you suck at something. So the idea that it's like, oh, I suck at being able to manage my emotions. You'd say, I'm not good at managing my emotions yet. Like for him, it's like, if you're going to talk about something that you need to progress in, you never admit that this is something that's actually bad for you or that's something that you're bad at. And so it's like, you always phrase it in a way where it's just like, I'm not there yet instead of, oh, no, I suck at this. I struggle with this. Or it's like, so for us, a lot of the times we just say, time management is not my strongest suit. It's not. I'm so used to being able to navigate through chaos that I don't think that I, need, I have a need for a schedule and everything like that. So I'll be like, I'm terrible at time management or I'm not that good at time management. He'll be like, I didn't hear. I, I feel like you forgot a word. Where's the yet coming from? So I think for me, just like advice to you or to anybody that's listening, whenever you're talking about, because the more you say these things, like I'm not good at this, your subconscious takes note of that. So any moments where you need to actually start thinking to yourself, it makes it so easy for your subconscious to just feed you so much negativity because you've put so much of it already out there. And now I think this is the part where we're going to actually get into some of the topics and questions people ask. So this part is going to be a lot easier. You're not going to actually have to think about where everything's coming from. It's just your reaction to what the fuck we're looking at, pretty much. We'll start off with this just because it's one of those quick things. But I don't even have that much to say about it either. But it just feels kind of nice to start off with something this light. Um, Your input on the current Gen Z aging worse than millennials. So the idea that people in our current generation are getting older by the minute a lot quicker in terms of like they actually look worse once they get to their 70s than compared to somebody from the past that was at 70 yeah it's an actual thing i've actually seen a lot of things about it it's it's kind of scary <laughs> um, um i think actually i'll let you I, i'll let you take this first saying. i'll let you take this first i'm gonna assume i'm gonna judge. yeah this I is based off our heads we ain't do no research no nothing so it's just about what you think about the Gen Z now? Yeah, getting a lot... Old. Okay. Basically, people getting a lot older quicker than past generations. I've seen it. Um, I'd be mind-blown. Like, I know, like, in certain, like... it's I live in New York City. So, mm-hmm. in New York City, like, now, like, with the Gen Z now, 
Like they grow up way too fast. Um, I grew up way too fast too. I'm gonna say you that too. Mess with it, I'm pretty sure. Um, but there are like 18 year olds. There are 16 year olds. They look like they're 24. I kid you not. <laughs> like, I remember. I'm gonna say an example. I went to a club, like Dykeman area. Um, so you know, club age ranges, and I kid you not. I don't know what's up with these fake IDs. <laughs> But, like, one of my guy friends, like, was trying to talk to a lady. And, like, he had a feeling, like, how old are you? Like, <laughs> my friend is 23. I know the girl did not just say she was 18. Like, I don't know what it's in the food. I don't know, like, is they're not, like, taking care of, like, their health. Like, the way they're supposed to. Yeah. And I get it. It has to do with hormones. Like, maybe they age quicker, whatever the case may be. But I'm 21. And I get a lot that I look like I'm 16, 17, 18, around those lines, which is perfectly fine with me. Because I know like once I'm like 25 or like 28, I'll probably look like I'm still 21. Hopefully, you know, like, <laughs> not for that's why I wear my sunscreen outside, you know, but yeah, that's my, that's my overview on things. Yeah, I think. On that topic. Yeah, I think my thing is kind of like very similar to you. Everything you said, I will also agree to that. Um. I think it's just like a lot of people are trying to grow up a lot quicker. And I think one thing that as a man is very apparent to understand about makeup, like this is more speaking on the woman side of things, of course, and then I'll give it from it. One, stress. That's, that applies to both. I think we're constantly dealing with a lot more stress than people from the past. I'm not saying they didn't have as much to be stressed about, but we live in a generation where you are aware of everything, everywhere, all at once. In the past, it was kind of like, if you live in a certain town, you're not going to necessarily be focused about what's happening overseas, what's happening in different states. And I'm not saying there's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's a double-edged sword, where part of it is like, you can be grateful for the fact that you're aware of so much what's happening into the world. But when you're not, when you can't necessarily control a lot of things, and you're aware of it all at once, the most you can do is just stress about it and hope for something to happen. So I do like the idea that you can be more in tune with everything that's happening around you. But I do think that the thing that sucks about this generation is you're aware of everything happening all at once. The moment something tragic is happening, it makes the front page of news. But at the same time, in our social media feeds where there's so many trends at times or certain things that are trending. And it's not necessarily positive things constantly where it's just like oh typical tiktok stuff typical things on ig reels and stuff like that sometimes it's like the war was trending on a place like instagram on a place like tiktok it is crucial for us to know these things but i think it's like it becomes a lot when you have to consume that shit 24 fucking 7 so to me i think one of the main things is you're you have so much more to be stressed about when it comes to like makeup and food and the way people are being able to take care of themselves, I think everything you put into your body is pretty much processed now. And I've even seen a video recently that said when they compared things to, like when they compared food um, to other countries, like let's just say a regular oatmeal package with something else, there was so much more ingredients that are into everything that is made out of the U.S. So it's like, how hard are you going to be able to maintain that when everywhere pretty much eats better things in us and they're less processed. So 
that's definitely mine. Um, somebody asked, do you believe in soul ties? Okay, I kind of got my definitions wrong at times. So soul ties and the other word is um, car- what is it? Car- Karma. Um, I have no I'm idea. Not- I don't know if it's the same thing. I don't know if it's different because I know there's, I'm mixing it up. I got <laughs> so soul ties, right? Yeah, okay, ties. I got it. Um, I definitely do believe in soul ties. I feel like you giving your energy to just anyone, like that's that's you giving them your personal space, like everything like you hold with inside you. Um, I feel like giving somebody your time, your energy, like you're bringing another energy within you. I feel like you consume the other person's energy mm-hmm. at a sense that it stays with you. Um I want to say an example. Like it's like saying like you've been somebody like for seven years, three years, two years. Like me personally, like I remember like I I'll get stuck sometimes, and I'll like repeatedly like have memories or like I'll feel like I'll feel that person like be sad or like I'll feel that person be hurt. I don't know. I just feel like it has to do with your energy i feel like once you let somebody in your space like it is going to be effective like mm-hmm. their energy consumes into yours like you guys intertwine like in a sense yeah yeah that's my like response to that i think for the ellis minute i didn't believe in soul ties just because the people that were talking about soul ties they made it sound like such a how do i even say this like such a, like a spirits and energies type of thing. And I was just like, all right, bro, y'all are doing a little bit too fucking much with this. But if I look at soul ties in terms of like the attachment that somebody will always have anyway, I look at it more like on the science side of things instead of just energies and everything like that. I think how it was described to me the majority of the times that I've seen about it, I was like, I don't believe in soul ties. But being someone who's had certain relationships that's been with someone where I've been with even not even necessarily like y'all are dating the whole entire time, but like when y'all are off and on, which means like you've known this person for so long, I realize at times it's like there's always going to be some level of residue of that person's energy and being that kind of st- it kind of sticks to you. Where at times it's not just the lovey dovey stuff where it's like, oh, I remember them, how we used to do X, Y, and Z, but it's just like they do affect you. Like, like we talk about the subconscious a lot. Like, your whole entire experience with that person and how much time y'all spent with each other, there's going to be a lot of those things that kind of become, it becomes part of you in a way. So I do believe in soul ties, which is why, and I, actually we can even make this the next conversation, the next question too. So one of the girls in my group chat was venting from high school. We all stay in touch with this like little big group chat we call family. And she was talking about being with a guy that wasn't necessarily ready. You know, this is typical. It's like, I'm not ready to commit yet. You know, the X, Y, and Z. I think it's all, I'll be very honest up front. It's all bullshit, right? Because yeah. it's like, and this is why I'm saying it's BS, right? They're pretty much doing everything together. And when I say everything, I'm talking about like, shorties at his crib every single night to spend nights, right? They're doing typical relationship stuff without a label. So, I'm going to talk this off to you before I continue, just because I know of the situation directly and I already gave my advice on it. How do you feel women should deal with situations where a man kind of tells them, I'm not ready to commit, but y'all are doing everything 
that would and require commitment. Y'all are pretty much in a relationship with no label. How do you think some woman should deal with those situations? Um, I was going to say something up front, but I'm like, that sounds so rude. No, no, it's like, talk, you talk know what getting, what you're getting yourself into? Yeah. Like, you know, you don't have a title. You know, you didn't have that talk to be serious. It's like, you have no expectations. You shouldn't be expecting anything. I felt like, fuck with that in a sense I can say everything I mean it's my opinion like if there's no title there's no talk there's no nothing I don't expect nothing from you and you shouldn't expect nothing from me unless it's communicated then for sure but maybe in her like I'm assuming Maybe she didn't like the fact that he wasn't acting like a man, I'm assuming. In a, like, yeah. not a man, but I'm saying, like, like being up front, like, oh, like, I don't know, like, pro. Uh, being very direct with his it approach. Yeah. But. You didn't expect no expectation. I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> All right, so, right. Because I've been there, done that. that. And I was like. It was like when I was introduced to that whole, like, oh, we're vibing. I was never introduced to that. Mm-hmm. So I was in her stage, too. Like, oh, I was doing X, Y, and Z with so-and-so. And I thought that he played me in my face. Why? Because that was never talked about. I knew what I was getting myself into. We both knew what we was getting ourselves into. and But y'all didn't really understand the end goal to kind of talk about it. Yeah, for me, it's like, I'll be honest, I've been that guy, you know, I'm kind of like a renowned, how do I put this? I I used to do my shit. I was very much, and this is the thing, right? Being somebody that understands emotions very well, I'm not proud of this, but I'll be very transparent. It was easy for me to play certain woman. Why? Because I know exactly what you want to hear. I'm not proud of this, but I will be transparent. My podcast isn't somewhere where I bullshit. But see, the thing is, it's kind of like, there's a typical fuck nigga where it's like, you just talk about your shit and it's like, you you play a game. But my approach is always very different because I'm like, I know you don't necessarily like this. You get stuck with it and you say, fuck it. So I'd be very sweet. I'd know how to go about certain conversations. I'd explain the fact that I'm just not in a state where I'm ready, where it's like, nah, it can be me and you. We can just vibe and everything like that. But I think the main issue with things like that is like, when a man comes across a woman that he does not want to risk losing, he'll do everything to keep her. So that's why for me, I tell a lot of, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell a lot of shorties where it's like, bro, I get this whole idea. And there are certain men that will say that and where it's a genuine, where it's like, you still need more time to heal or you have, you don't ha- have enough time to fully immerse yourself in a relationship. I understand that. But for me, at the end of the day, I just don't think, I just don't agree with the idea that you know you want a relationship and this person is telling you, I don't necessarily want that. And you kind of play the waiting game, hoping it's like, okay, if we keep on vibing, if I keep on doing X, Y, and Z, maybe eventually they'll be ready to date me. I don't think you should sit around and wait for anybody. That's just my personal opinion because it just doesn't make sense. So like, what's your advice to somebody who's sitting and waiting for that person to change their mind? Like, do you think it's something smart? Is there a certain conversation that should be had before y'all do that? What's kind of like your take on that? The whole idea of waiting for someone that's not ready to 
hopefully one day being ready. So has everybody experienced that? Um, I learned to always know your worth. I feel like if you're constantly like questioning yourself about somebody, like you shouldn't, in a sense, wait for them to like change or like wait for them to act right or wait to get what you want. Um, I think you should never sit around and wait. What will come for you and what is for you will come to you. Um, I just feel like you shouldn't ever place yourself out of your character for somebody else. Like, put yourself first, not the other person. Like, I feel like, like, what if I did wait, like, X, Y, and Z, and they never came back? I have to put myself first, do what I want to do, do the goals that I have to do to get where I want to go. So you were in a situation where you waited for someone to come back or you were in a situation where you waited while you were messing with someone, you waited for the title? The first one. So you waited for them to come back? Um, I waited past tense, like, I knew it was never going to happen. Um, you see how you mentioned earlier, like, I feel like certain guys who aren't in that area of, you know, just playing with people's feelings. Yeah. I feel like it came to a realization of me actually knowing what was happening. Like, I felt like me waiting around for him to come back, it was never going to happen. It would always have to be me chasing him. Or, like, in a sense, like, he knew, like, I would always come back. So me expecting that from him, I just knew deep down the side it was not gonna happen. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. A man will do everything for to keep a woman or to be with the type of man that a woman needs when he understands that there is a risk of losing you because that's just not something he would want. The moment you want that person to be locked down, like you don't want nobody enjoying everything that comes along with this person's existence, now you actually put the work in to actually keep them and maintain them. So that's why it's like the back and forth of certain people where they know if they mess up, you'll just run right back to them. They'll never change their behavior because what's the point? Why do I need to start acting right if you're going to come back to me no matter what it is that I do? So I think the same thing applies to kind of sitting around and waiting for someone to be ready for the title when it's like you're constantly giving them access to your energy and everything that y'all do. So why would you expect that person to ever get to a point where they actually give you the title? It makes no sense. Men are very logical creatures where a lot of the times we're about to make our decisions, it's about logic. Okay, I'm going to give this woman a title. For what? There's nothing else that comes along with it. I already have access to everything about you. You're sleeping over every single night and everything like that. So it's like, it just doesn't make sense to them. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you got to have consequences for men when they do something. I'm not saying don't be forgiving. I'm not saying don't be understanding. But there should be boundaries set in place for someone to understand, like, this is how you need to act. You start to do this, I will start to do this. I'm not saying for like, you're going head to head with somebody, but it's more like, you do this shit, 
because you overstepped my boundaries, I'm going to pull back on how much energy I actually invest into us. So for me, I realistically do not think it's ever a logical thing to do or a smart thing to do where it's like you're just sitting around waiting for that person to give you a title. I think the only time, because everybody's situations are a little different, to me, if the person expresses why they're not ready and what needs to change for them to be ready, then I understand. Like some men where it's like, oh, I need to make X, Y, and Z amount of money just because if I'm if I'm not at that point yet, I'm constantly going to be stressed. I'm constantly going to try to pick up more hours. That is, it makes sense. Like this person is telling you I'm not ready, but these are the reasons why I'm not ready. So for me, when it's something like that, it makes a lot more sense. So I'll be a little bit more understanding to it. But if the person can't articulate why you need to wait and why it's important for them to not hop into a relationship just yet, then I think that makes sense. But if not, I don't think it's that logical. Like, that is something, just like you mentioned, like, if I had to have a conversation with one of my sisters or, like, my best friend, I learned this from, like, my best friend. Mm -hmm. Like, my best friend, you know, we all dealt with it, got our heart broken, went to a depressive state, um, was constantly, you know, the off and on, like, the attachment issues. Yeah. Um, I had to enjoy my own space. Like I had to do things for myself and um, I had to enjoy things for myself and um, enjoying the single life doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I can do what I want. I can do this here. Some I can city do that. girl shit. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like the single life, like me enjoying the single life is like being at peace. I feel like that's literally what it is. Like, you're not stressing about anything. You're not really, like, not focusing on, like, X, Y, and Z and finding this and finding that. It is hard because we are humans and we do crave attention. And I feel like that's what sucks. Like, we think, like, having a distraction is, like, what the single life is for. But, like, really deep down inside, I feel like it also comes with self-worth. Like, I know I'm valuable. Like, it's, like privilege to like speak to me to like enjoy me like meet me like you know like I feel like being at peace like that's my definition of like enjoying the single life like yeah I think I'll definitely have to agree in terms of like if that would be advice that I'd have to give somebody um I think you can also agree to this um finding new hobbies is a big part of being able to enjoy being single because Overall, being single, you need to be in a state where you're investing in yourself. And I think it becomes even more important to do that when you're kind of going from a relationship, you know, the heartbreak. And now it's like, I bet let me try to enjoy being myself without having to add another person in to distract myself from all these things. I think the main thing is you have to find ways to fill that time. Because when you're in a relationship, if y'all are deeply in love with each other and Y'all don't get tired of each other. Y'all are spending a lot of time with one another. And now, every time you're alone, of course, it's going to be a reminder of the fact that this person is no longer around. So I think for me, it's like finding different hobbies, different things you can do, learning new things just to make sure you don't feel like you're at a loss for not being with this person anymore. That's the thing, that's the part that sucks the most about going through a heartbreak. Yeah, it's like you were really invested. You had dreams, you had goals of things you wanted to happen down the line with this person. But I think the part that sucks the most is there's such a big part of your day-to-day that's kind of taken away. 
that person you get to decompress to every single night, whether that's in person or it's a phone call or it's just like, oh, I know if I have a terrible day, I can text somebody about it. I think being able to understand exactly what is missing and how to replace that is crucial. If it's I no longer have somebody I can vent to, I tell, I'll tell somebody a journal. So it's like you don't have to feel like, oh, my God, I have so much emotions and things that I want to break down, but I don't have another person there to help with. It's all about understanding just exactly what is missing, what they used to provide, and then finding a way to replace it so you don't have to feel terrible. Let's just say when you used to be with that person, a, time, a lot of the times they would help you learn things. Go get a certification, get in the gym, watch YouTube videos, watch tutorials, whether you want to paint more, buy some supplies. And if it's just the fact that right before you go to sleep, you feel terrible, learn to meditate, tap into a different skincare routine. I think it's all about understanding that you as an individual needs a lot. And when you no longer have somebody there with you, you need to make sure you can still provide everything that you yourself need. And I also agree with you, it's like being single doesn't mean you just get to do whatever the hell you want to do. Like that's not the best part of it. A lot of the times because you go from a relationship, you're heartbroken. Now you're like, oh, I want to have fun. This is this is what I should be trying to do right now. And I think everybody needs that, especially right after a heartbreak where it's like, enjoy yourself. Get out your own head. Get out your typical bubble that you normally are in where it's like, go enjoy yourself. Thrive. Do whatever it is that you want to do. I don't place any judgment on someone. Just because you're a woman, you shouldn't really be doing those things because it's looked down upon. I think whatever you need, do it. But I do think, like you said, the main thing about being single, it's about peace. It's about growth. It's about learning everything about yourself that you probably ignored a lot of the times. It's not just about paying the club every night. I said every night. I'm hitting the club every single weekend. I'm constantly going out on dates. I'm constantly meeting new men, entertaining them, playing them. I think for a period of time, that's understandable and it serves a purpose, but you're never going to be fulfilled by doing that. You're always going to want something that's more exciting than the last time because it's just about the excitement that you get from that. It's not like that actually helps you in any way, shape, or form. And I think once you've gone past a heartbreak, the best thing you can do for yourself to tell that person, fuck you, pretty much, because I know in a lot of moments that's kind of what you want to do, is just letting them see you become a better person that they do not have access to. I think that's all the closure you can truly seek. A lot of the times you want that person to regret it. You want to do X, Y, and Z. But I think the idea that they were invested in you and you were this person and now you're 10 times better and that person has to sit with the fact that you will never have access to this person because you mistreated who I was. I don't know. I think that's a powerful thing. The distractions, it serves a purpose. But at a certain point, it's not that useful anymore. That's why it's like you in the gym probably after all this little stage, it's, it helps. Because it's something you can constantly progress in, which I think is also important. Having something where it's like you can look at the progress you have. There are a lot of things you'll do in life where you can't necessarily see the progress you're making. But I think for the gym, we both can agree to this because I think we're both low gym rats. The idea that I can look at myself two, three months ago or even before I started about a year or two ago and I'm like, 
I had no chest. But now, you know, I got a little meat on the titties and shit. So, so we doing something, we getting better. Or like for you, where it's kind of like your body's changing, like you're being, you're adding on more weight, where it's like, oh, it's like, I know for shorties, the cheeks are a powerful thing. It's important to y'all. So it's like, <laughs> you feel me? Where it's like, you can be like, ah, my ass is getting fat. I'm getting thicker. Where it's like, that matters to you. Like, I'm actually starting to look better. Like my bone structure, like my body's fitting more into what it should be. I'm cutting down on this little love tummy. So I feel like all of that matters. Seeing something you're progressing in works. And you can kind of just also talk about like how much the gym has helped with your journey of growth and everything like that. Uh, can I say I was never a person that like I used to journal mm-hmm. I used to like try to like do like pick up certain hobbies um I would say this so I was gonna like I think you could cut that off um I'm gonna be <laughs> prior to like what you said earlier yeah respond to whatever like, you want you got this I feel like everybody goes through that distraction like, oh, I'm doing this to get this person upset or I'm doing that. And I yeah. feel like it's growth for you to be like, all right, I need to relax. Um, I'm going to actually sit myself down, better myself for me and not for the person. Because, like, if you're not doing it for yourself, then is it really going to matter? Is it really going to affect you in a sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, the gym was me channeling, like, my anxiety, my anger, um. How I looked, I feel like society, like, plans, oh, you should look like this, but it's look like that, you know, the BBL and the, and the, everything is always a thing. Um, My favorite line, like, from my progression of the gym is, my ass is homegrown, like, it's homemade, like, I don't have to, it's not a you know, kudos to those that do it, salute you, but I can never have a stick of my, of my back. But it was a sense for me to, like, channel my energy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying in a sense, like, do my sex. I'm like, oh, like, damn, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. I feel like it's the adrenaline I get, like, when I'm actually doing my sex through failure. Like, it makes me feel good about myself. Like, I actually, like, really stepped up my health. Like, I'm a really healthy person now. At times, you know, we get a little cheat days. But, um... A few, a lot. <laughs> um, I just feel like it was a very, it's still an amazing experience for me to see myself change and for me to see like the effort that I put in for like the past two years. Um, being inspiring is also one of the favorite, like, you can say results I got. Like, I didn't know I was inspiring to other people. Like, it felt really good to like, how has the gym kind of, this is kind of like what you said, um, we kind of briefly, you briefly mentioned it. How has it helped with things that you deal with mentally in terms of like the anxiety, being anxious and everything like that? How has the gym been something that helped you with that? And before you kind of say how it has helped, kind of like talk about what you used to struggle with because of your anxiety. Can you give an example first? <laughs> yeah, I got you, I got you. So it's like, before the gym, whenever I would get anxious, it would be hard for me to get out my head. 
Um, I would constantly overthink things. At times if I'm in public and I don't feel the prettiest or I don't feel like my body's what it needs to be, I'd overthink it. I wouldn't want to be in public around as much. So basically that would be you talking about like what you're struggling with. And then you kind of say it's like, now because I'm in the gym, I know my body looks very elite. I'm making progress, again, thicker and everything like that. So it's helped because it allowed me to have a better body. And in terms of being anxious around people, when I'm in the gym, I don't necessarily feel that way because everyone's in there for the same reason. We're both working on ourselves. Like, yeah, of course, being someone who's attractive and who has a nice body, you're always going to get the eyes on you where it's like, maybe I don't want people looking at me, but at least it's like people are looking at my progress, not necessarily a body I was just blessed with. So it's a little bit better to kind of like now a little bit more comfortable being around people in public. So kind of like that was like you talk about what your anxiety and everything like that used to look like and what you struggle with it. And until the end, you'll kind of give us how has the gym helped with X, Y, and Z that you struggle with. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, okay. So I think I have a very like good short answer to that. Um, Fuck it. I'll give it um, you know the saying. It's a saying that went around like with the gym progress that I, like I've got into. I feel like comparison is like the thief of joy. Talk your so. shit. <laughs> yes. So like we're in a society like we always get to compare ourselves. Like oh like in a sense like oh. Like, you're not supposed to come or like put yourself like, oh, I wish I had that life. I wish I had this. Like, I want to look like this, um, but I can't get there. Like, I come out with like that. Like, I feel like I had to really stop giving a fuck about, about what people think. And yeah. That's how I channeled like my anxiety. And on top of that, like, I feel like that's what it was. And it gave me a sense of like I'm my I'm my own person like if you don't like what I do if you don't like how I say things but it's just like it's me versus me that's how I look at it like I would never compare myself to anyone I'm gonna get to my goal if it needs it if it takes me a certain amount of time to get there I'm gonna get there yeah. regardless if I get there today tomorrow it don't matter um I feel like that's how like the gym it's kind of helped with that yeah, it made me build that mindset. Like, yeah. now, like, like that saying, like, the grass is not green on the other side. Yeah, it's green where you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think, for me, I think we can both agree to this. The gym makes you a lot more disciplined. And um, I wasn't the most disciplined person. I was always, my emotional intelligence was always a lot higher than majority of the people I was in the same rooms with, whether they were a lot older or not. I think it just definitely helped. I wasn't the most disciplined person. And it sucked because it's like, you understand so much. So it's like, why aren't you acting upon it? I think the gym is one of those things where it's like, the why aren't you acting upon it becomes very more, it becomes very apparent where it's like, you know your progress will get better if you work on your diet. Why aren't you doing that? Where it's like, bro, I'm not going to continue going to the gym and putting all this time in and finding time for it and being as dedicated as possible when I know I'm leaving gains on the table. I think we hear a lot of influencers kind of say that, like leaving gains on the table where it's like, why aren't you going to maximize the progress you can make? You're already dedicating the time anyways. And then it also made me worry about more about what I eat when it came to my diet because 
I think it's hard to go to the gym and not care about your diet. I'm not saying you need to be very strict with it. But at the end of the day, it makes you think about that shit very frequently. I did not think about, I did not care about what I eat or anything like that. Now my cabinet is full of fucking supplements. I'm taking a shit ton of things. I'm worried about my protein intake, how many calories I'm getting in. Because I'm like, but why is the scale going down? And, and I've been in the gym for four times a week. I'm eating, I'm getting my meals in. And then you're like, it's not about eating a lot. It's just making sure the things you actually eat matter. But I think for me, it's like the whole idea, um, comparison is a thief of joy. I've became very, that became real for me. Because I think it's it's so easy to compare ourselves. Because let's just say you focus on yourself or you know a flaw that you have and then you see somebody that's excelling within those things. It's, a easy, it's easy for you to start thinking about these things. So I think for me in the gym where it's kind of like not wanting to compare yourself to other people, it's like I do have a great physique in my opinion, compared to the majority of people. And I've been, I've been in the gym for like two years. So I have not been somewhere where I was in the gym for a mean time. It's just I learned as much as I possibly could just because I didn't want to be going to the gym not knowing what the heck I needed to do. So I do a lot of research, and that's why. Oh, yeah, I'm now a certified personal trainer. I will say that now because I did not announce it to the podcast. But I think for me, the thing that I say <laughs> in my, on my podcast is now is like chase the pump. And for me, it's kind of like, I don't have to worry about, oh, in two years, I want to look like this person. I'll be like in six months. You know, like when you work out and your pump doesn't look the same where it's kind of like there's you pumped and then there's you a day or two later. It's not the exact same thing. But for me, I'll say chase the pump because I don't have to worry about what somebody else looks like. I'm just, let's just say I did chess, right? Whatever my chest looks like when it's pumped that's the next phys- that's the next goal I have for I want my body to look because I'm like, this is attainable and it's something that I can get. I just need to make sure I have, I'm eating enough and then like I'm actually making that progress. So for me, advice to anybody that's actually starting in the gym, I promise you, it is so easy to say, I want to look like this person. It's the easiest thing, especially when you just start off, you don't know what your physique might end up looking like. You don't understand the idea of pumps or anything like that. It is so easy to say, I want this person's body, but I promise you, you will be very sad very quickly, realizing that there are certain things your body just cannot do, no matter how often you go to the gym. It's just not realistic to think, I did it too, I'm not going to hold you. Like this influencer that I was watching that gave me a lot of like back, because I'm like, oh, I'm going back to look like this person's. But the more I worked out, my physique turned into something completely different. I love what my back looks like, but it's like, damn, I was hoping it looked like that. It's the idea that it's like, even with progress, there's a damn. Now it's like, oh yeah, I'm making progress and I'm getting better, but I was really hoping I'd look like this person, I'd look like X, Y, and Z. So I think if you're just going into the gym, you should really follow the motto of like chasing your pump. Like you could easily go into the gym and you see a shorty, like let's say on leg day, her thighs look a certain way or anything like, like, oh, I want that. But if you tell yourself, I'm just chasing the pump, you are aware that it's something your body can physically do and it can actually progress to this. So it's a little easier. And if you're chasing your pump, there's always something to chase. I think that's the whole reason why I kind of started saying that. If I get to that point where I'm chasing my pump and now I'm five months in where I'm like, okay, I'm chasing this pump. I bet that's the next month for like the next five to six months. And then you're constantly going to have a loop where it's like, there's always something to aspire for, but you're not having to compare yourself to somebody else. You're just comparing yourself to 
what you look like when you're enhanced about 5-10% of their workout. All right, everyone. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you to everyone that listens. Like I said, you guys are the reason I do this and you guys are a very big part of my life and my growth. So I appreciate y'all for tuning in with me and Yaz. And I'm going to pass it off to her to tell y'all a little final where is it's on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Um, tell your at one more time. What's the, what's the Instagram? What's the Instagram? My, my Instagram handle is exquisite underscore Yaz for two S's. <laughs> All right, let's applaud it.